Welcome to the Dressage with Amelia podcast, where it's all about breaking things down and helping you learn to love your ride. I'm your host, Amelia Newcomb. These sessions are recordings from my Facebook Live, where I answer as many questions as I can from my audience. I hope you enjoy this episode where I answer your questions about dressage. Please help me out and share this with a friend who also rides horses. Hello, I hope you guys are all having a wonderful day. Happy Thursday again. Wow, it feels like the weeks are just um, going by super fast lately. I don't know if any of you guys feel like that, but it's already the middle of February. I hope you all had a wonderful Valentine's Day and spent some time with your horse and your significant other. Um, what else is new? So yeah, last Thursday, it was crazy during the middle of the Facebook Live, we're just like went out. So if you were here last Thursday, that's what happened. Luckily, the power came back on about five minutes later, and we were able to finish. So, on topic for tonight, I don't have too many questions. Hi, Rachel. So if you guys have questions and you're here live, type them in. I'll try to get to them. But tonight I'm going to talk about connection and impulsion and the relationship between those two. I'm going to talk a little bit about um, Pilates. I'm going to talk about showing. I'm going to talk about the quote, dressage is hard. And at the end, I also have a fun little rider assessment quiz that we can all kind of take and go through together. So that's the plan for tonight. I wanted to start off with, I told you last week that I was going to be at the horse show this week, which obviously I'm not at the horse show. I'm at home. And basically what happened is that at the horse show grounds in Thermal, there was an outbreak of the EHV1 virus. And it was a really hard decision. I went like back and forth about whether or not I should take my horses to the show. And I was really disappointed because I had like four horses that I was going to ride and then one of my clients was going to go also. So it was a hard decision, but um, because of the virus, I decided that I didn't want to risk it with my horses. Of course, I respect, I know a lot of people went anyways, and I hope that they're all fine, but sometimes it's hard. You know, you have to always, I think, have the long-term vision that's the most important thing. And so, yeah, we opted out of the show this time, um, but hopefully the end of the month we'll be going to the show. So contact and impulsion. Um, I wanted to touch on this a little bit because this is kind of a theme that I've been focusing a lot in my own writing and also that I've seen come up a lot with my students. And of course, it relates to the training scale. Next month, March, I do my training scale master class again. So be sure to mark your calendars, March 13th, we're doing a live webinar on the training scale. And the training scale is such an important part of dressage because it's really the structure and the foundation that we use to train our horses. So the levels of the training scale are rhythm, suppleness, connection, impulsion, straightness, and then collection. Specifically, the relationship between connection and impulsion. So connection has to do with 
the circle of energy that goes basically from the horse's hind leg through the back and to the mouth. It's about getting your horse round, getting your horse using their top line. And so a lot of people wonder, like, why is it so important that we get our horses round? Like, what's the big deal? What's the big deal with getting our horses on the bit? And the big deal is that when your horse is on the bit, like when they're round, when they're using their back, not only does it really allow the energy to like flow through your horse, but it also really gives you something to sit on. So when the horse lifts up their back and they're able to develop their back muscles, it makes it so much nicer to ride them because it's like you're sitting on a, like a, a bridge as opposed to sitting in a hole. And one thing that I've noticed also, which is hard, is like, let's say that your horse is really lazy, right? And you can't get your horse to go forward. But at the same time, you can't get your horse on the bit. So which you do first, like which is more important? Is it more important to get your horse going forward or is it more important to get your horse on the bit? And the answer is that they go hand in hand. So that's what the hard part is, is that if you had to say one thing, I would say that first and foremost, it's most important to get your horse going forward. However, if your horse isn't on the bit, if they're not round and through and using their top line correctly, it's almost impossible to actually get your horse in front of the leg. And you can't really get true impulsion when your horse isn't round and over the back and through the top line. So I, last week I went and I rode with Yo Hinneman and it's always so inspiring to get to ride with him and to think that, you know, I still have so much to learn and to have a mentor like that is so amazing. But my point being that he kept reminding me like with Harvey, you know, make him a little rounder, keep him a little more through. And same thing with Kensington, like in the, in the walk canner transitions, sometimes the second stride Kensington gets like a little braced in his neck and he tries to come above the bit. And so when you lose that connection and that roundness in the top line, it, it means that the impulsion kind of dissipates because when your horse isn't round in the back, the energy just kind of like flattens like a pancake. And so that's why there's such a big um, link between connection and impulsion. And I was also, I've been one of my students that I teach regularly. I've been working with her a lot on like her horse is a little on the lazy side, but the crazy thing is that the rounder you get him, the more energy he has because when he's round and like using his back and his top line, the energy is just all there inside of him rather than flattening and dissipating. So there we go. That's my philosophical conversation between connection and impulsion. And when you get those two things, like when your horse is really connected and you have that energy, that is like the most amazing feeling. And that is um, really the key to developing a Grand Prix horse. And when the horse has so much expression and adjustability in their gates, it's because you really have that connection and that impulsion. So that's something that we're all working towards. Let's see who's here tonight. Veronica, hi, Jackie, Lori, Debbie. 
Linda, good to see everyone. Have you guys noticed that the days are getting longer? Um, I'm so happy that the days are getting longer and spring is coming. It's always such a relief when you get through like the shortest parts of the year and you start to feel like there's that hope. And um, yeah, let me know if you're excited for riding this summer and hopefully getting some showing in. I know I am. So a couple other things I wanted to talk about. I recently started doing Pilates. And that has been fascinating because Pilates is really very similar to dressage. I told my Pilates teacher that I feel like um, she does to me what I do to my horses because she's like, hey, bend this way, bend that way. No, don't move that part. You know, why are you different left and right here? And so it's been really fun to kind of have that body awareness and also a little bit to empathize with, I think, what we put our horses through, because at the end of the day, um, dressage is hard for the horses, like physically to really do dressage, to really do all the movements, it is hard for the horses. And so because of that, horses kind of compensate and they cheat a little bit. Like, you know, for example, if you're trying to ride a circle, right, and say your horse is a little bit stiff and they don't really want to bend, then they might fall in with the inside shoulder or swing their hip out. And so our job as riders is to kind of be like a Pilates instructor to our horses and really teach them how to move their bodies and how to stretch their bodies and how to gymnasticize while we train them up the levels. One thing, though, that has been really interesting working with my Pilates instructor is she always is talking about like widening my your collarbones and lengthening your neck. And I think that for me, that's like really been a game changer for my position, because when I think about that, like like really widening my collarbones, lifting up my neck. It really helps my position. The other thing that we work on a lot in Pilates is kind of this idea of like rotate. I don't know if you can see, but kind of like rotating your elbows in a little bit because that's what allows you to widen your collarbone. So, and it really applies to riding because in riding, you want to have your elbows by your side and think about widening that collarbone and what... I have a tendency to do, and I know a lot of riders do, is sometimes going indirect with the rain or having like chicken wings when you ride. So really think about that, like elbows by your side, widening your collarbone, lengthening your neck. And especially when you ride, that really, really helps with your posture. Now, the key, though, is that when you do that, that you don't overarch your back, because that's my tendency is like when I think about opening my chest, I overarch my back. So you want to do all of that while at the same time you are keeping your tummy tight below your belly button. So give that a try. Let me know if that helps you guys with your riding next time. What other notes do I have here? Oh, the other thing that was funny the last time that I went and rode with 
Hinneman is that sometimes I have a tendency when I do the flying changes to kind of like launch myself out of the saddle, like to stand up, I guess you would say, instead of really sitting through the changes. And I think this habit came from wanting to kind of get out of the way and let the horse do the changes. But Hinneman had me take my stirrups away and then do the tempi changes. We were working on the two tempis and the one tempis. Do those tempi changes without any stirrups. And um, it was really interesting to feel like the difference in my seat through the changes when I wasn't able to push myself out of the stirrups. And I think that riding without stirrups or just dropping your stirrups, even sometimes I recommend at the beginning of your ride, just drop your stirrups for like two or three minutes and really think about just feeling your seat bones, lengthening your legs as much as possible so that you really get connected and wrapped around with your horse. I, I saw on Amelia's Dressage Club on Facebook, someone was asking about how much weight you should have in your seat bones versus your stirrups. And I would say that about 80% of your weight should be in your seat bones and about 20% in your stirrups. So I would say kind of like the weight of your upper body should be in your seat bones and the weight of your legs should be in your stirrups. For sure, you need to have pressure in the stirrup so that you don't lose your stirrup, obviously. But you don't want to have so much pressure in your stirrups that you're like jamming your foot forward. I actually used to ride like only young horses. And I think with young horses, because they're kind of, I don't know, more tense, that you have more of a tendency to brace into your stirrups. And the balls of my feet used to hurt so bad, like by the end of the day, from just bracing in my stirrups. And so you don't want to, you shouldn't be bracing in your stirrups and jamming your heels down. You should just kind of be letting um, the weight of your leg go into your stirrups. So... Let's see, Deb has a question. How easily will it be to pick up where I left off this winter with all the levels? I'm a senior rider and my school horse is a senior as well. Hello from super cold Sashishwan. I don't know how to say that. Um, so that's a good question. Like if, if you have had some time off this winter and you're gonna ramp it up again for the spring and summer, you definitely want to give yourself and your horse time to readjust. Like you're not just going to be able to start out right where you left off. It really depends on how much time they've had off and what they've been doing. So like say that they had, I don't know, three months off, but they were really out and turned out and kept moving around, then it's going to take probably at least a month to get that fitness level back. Horses are really amazing though. Horses never forget. So once you've taught your horse something, for example, like if you have a horse that knows the tempi changes and they have a chunk of time off from like an injury or whatever, they never forget that. Like they still know the changes. They still know the tempi changes. So it's just about getting them fit again getting yourself fit again, if you haven't been riding and then, um, you know, going back into it, but it's not like you have to retrain your horse. Your horse 
remembers everything. You just have to get them fit and get them disciplined and get them back in the routine of working. Because I think that that's a big part for horses is that they're creatures of habit. And so when they get out of um, the routine, like out of the discipline of it's like basically going to school, right? Like when your kid has been on summer break, it takes a few weeks for them to get back into the routine of going to school every day. So hopefully that helped. Um, let's see. So I have for you guys, since we don't have too many questions tonight, I have a fun little rider assessment. And you guys that are here uh, live can answer in the chat. Basically, you're going to be giving yourself a score from one to 10 on the following things. So the first category is rider position. And all of these, so we go through like about 10 different topics and all of these topics are just really important pieces of you really making progress and being a good rider. It's also good right now is February and I know a lot of you guys set goals for this year. So it's a good time to kind of like reflect on your goals, check in with your goals. I know I used to have my goals posted over there and then I had to take them down because we're selling our house and moving. And I don't like not having my goals up there because I sometimes I feel like I start to forget them or like I'm not working towards them. So this little assessment is just kind of fun to, to get you back thinking about your goals. Okay, first category is rider position. In general, my riding position is correct. I maintain proper alignment from my shoulder, hip, and heel at all three gates and am able to stay with the motion of the horse without bouncing. So give yourself a score from one to 10 on your position, your alignment, and your ability to really absorb the motion of your horse. Let me know in the chat here what your score is for your rider position from one to 10. I would say, I don't know, my position's pretty good. I would say sometimes I have the tendency to lean a little forward. Yeah, Lori's at a seven. I would say I would give myself a seven. Rider position is something that you can always improve. Like it's something that you can always make better. and the good thing is that when you improve your position, your horse immediately improves. The other thing is that you can always work on improving your position no matter um, what horse you're riding. So like, I think that's really the measure of a good rider is how good their position is. Okay, Gail's at a seven, Lorna's at a seven, um, Deb's at a six. Okay, so we all could work on improving our position this summer. Next category is your mission. I have a clear plan and goals with my horses and my riding. I know my strengths and weaknesses, and I have an idea of how to work through these things. When I look back to a year ago, I have made progress in my riding. So give yourself a score from one to 10 about your mission and kind of how determined you are about where you're going and if you have a plan and also looking back to a year ago, how much progress you've made. Let's see who's answering here. Um, let's see. Anyone have a, a score for their mission? 
Lorna has a nine. Okay. You have a good mission. Catherine's at an eight, seven, five. Yeah. So again, it's really good to have a plan, have a goal, um, and then, you know, just chip away at it. Dressage is really hard, but if you have a clear mission and a plan, it, it makes it way better for you and for the horse. Let's see. Learning. Okay, the next category is learning. I have good teachers and mentors that I can ask for help and guidance from with my horse. If I run into a problem, I have resources to help me and my horse understand. I feel like I'm making progress. It can be slow and that me and my horse understand the training. So learning on a scale from one to 10, how many resources do you have? There was a last week we were talking about like helpful quotes that people had shared. And one of the quotes was that frustration starts where understanding ends or something to that effect. Frustration starts where learning ends. And so I, it's so important, you guys, that you have good teachers and good trainers that help you. Um, let's see. I see a two. Rachel's at a two. Oh, no. Rachel, you need you need help. Julia's at a four. Holly's at an eight. Good. So, I mean... If you don't have a great trainer, then it's it's really great to join like online stuff like this, right? Like live calls or, you know, go on YouTube and search my name and like whatever you're having trouble with, I probably have a video on it. Um, and then the other good thing to do that I love to do is just go to a show and watch other people ride. But for sure, I mean, nothing replaces having a really good instructor. And whenever I start getting frustrated with my horse, I know, like if I'm frustrated, I say to myself, okay, I need help. I need someone to watch me. I need to take a video. I need to, you know, go to a clinic, go to a show. If you're getting frustrated, you have to get help. Learning is everything. Okay, next category is health. I take care of my own health and fitness. I am fit and healthy and take care of my physical and emotional health so that I feel energetic and strong every day. I eat well, sleep well, and exercise so that I can ride and take care of my horse. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good is your, what is your health score? Let's see. Catherine's at a 10. That's awesome. Um, Rachel, you just started watching my videos. Awesome. Good to have you here, Rachel. Heidi's at a 7. Um, Gail's at a 4. Lorna's at a 4. So, I mean, yeah, I think that at least for me personally, the riding and the horses really are my motivation to stay healthy and take care of myself. Like, it's so funny. When I was a teenager, I literally never wanted to go out drinking because I always wanted to be able to ride my horses the next day. And that's like really, you know, still true. Like, I really value my sleep. I'm such a beauty queen about my sleep. Like, if I don't, if I don't get my eight hours of sleep, it's not a good thing. Um, but exercising, like I said, I started doing Pilates. And even if you just have 20 minutes, like 
move your body and stretch a little bit, it makes such a difference in your riding. So good, good for you guys. Next category. All of these, um, I made this rider assessment quiz. I can send it out to, you, to everyone. Um, but it's just like a lot of different things go into riding more than just the time you sit in the saddle. So this next category I like. Friends. I have a good group of friends that encourage and support me on my horse journey. I know that I have support and encouragement during the highs and lows of riding and training. I offer support and encouragement to others with their horse journey. So on a scale of 10 being the worst, or sorry, one being the worst, 10 being the best, how good are your horse friends? Um, I think that that's one really amazing thing about this online community. Oh, Debbie's at a 10 for her friends. Awesome. Is that like, if you're not a member of Amelia's Dressage Club on Facebook, you should be because the support and encouragement on that club is amazing. Like people will write in there and say like, oh, I'm really discouraged. Oh, I can't figure this out. Oh, I should just quit. And like the support and encouragement there is huge. And I think that it's one of those things that the more you give, the more you get back. And, and again, you have to have that in this sport because dressage is so hard and you know, you need people that are there supporting you along the way. Oh no, Claudia's at a negative two. Only my trainer and maybe my hubby. All right, well, Claudia, we're your we're your horse friends, <laughs> um, you know, and and they can be virtual. You know, I think that that's one thing I'm really working towards incorporating more into my programs. I'm working on starting like WhatsApp group chats for um, people that are in my courses because we need that. We need that encouragement. We need that support. We need someone that we can ask questions of or send video to and, you know, just get some different ideas or just someone to say, you know, hang in there. Tomorrow's going to be better. All right. The next category is horsepower. I have a horse that is suitable for me and my goals. I'm not overmounted with a horse that is too much for my skill set, nor am I undermounted with a horse that is not physically capable of doing what I want. I can ride the horse that I have and can progress with this horse. So 10 is like you have the perfect unicorn. One is like um, you probably need to get a different horse. And this is important, you know, it's important that you have a horse, <clears throat> excuse me, it's important that you have a horse that matches your goals. So let's see, Julia's at a nine, Jonathan's at a six. Oh, Jackie's at a 10. Good. I'm glad to see that. And so there's no perfect horse. Like every horse has problems for sure. You're not going to find that perfect unicorn. And that's part of what we love about dressage is kind of working through the challenges with the horse. But it is important that you have a horse that's suitable, that you have a horse that is reasonable for the goals that you want to achieve. You know, like if you want to go to the Olympics, you know, you have to have that horse and you have to search for that horse. If you just want to stay safe, um, then that's a very different type of horse. Okay, let's see. Lori has 9.5. 
You have five horses, Lori. <laughs> Claudia is at a four-ish. And sometimes, you know, over time, like you can, if you have a young horse, maybe it's not the ideal horse right now, but over time, you put in the time, you put in the training, and over time, that horse becomes more suitable for you. Okay, next category is symmetry. I feel very symmetrical and even on my horse left and right. I have even contact in my left rein and my right rein, and I'm equally comfortable riding left circles as I am riding right circles. My horse moves easily and equally off both my right and my left leg. So one is you're very crooked. 10 is that you are perfectly straight and even. Uh, this is a hard one. And, you know, it's definitely, again, it's something that as you develop as a rider, as you move up the levels that you want to get better. Let's see. Kathy's at a one. Lori's at an eight. Um, Jackie's at a seven. So, again, it's also complicated by the fact that with symmetry, horses are all crooked and so are we. And so it's something that we work on like, okay, straighten ourselves. Okay. Straighten our horse. Okay. Straighten ourselves, straighten our horse. And it's tricky because the, these two things affect each other. Like when your horse is crooked, it's really hard to get straight and vice versa. Like if you're sitting up there all wonky, it's pretty much impossible for your horse to get straight underneath you. So that's something that we're always working towards in dressage. And that's why in dressage too, that the tests are all designed like that you do a left circle and then you do a right circle because the judges are looking for that symmetry. They're looking for how your left circle looks and then they compare it to the right circle. Oh, Claudia says, oh Lord, it seems I'm kind of bad at everything. <laughs> I think probably you're just being hard on yourself. We're also perfectionists that it's, you know, like you want to be, you always want to be working on getting better, of course, but, you know, we need to um, be kind to ourselves at the same time. Okay, next category is confidence. I feel confident handling my horse in new situations and on days when he or she is fresh. I have the tools and skills and enough of a relationship with my horse that I know I can work through these difficult situations. I can be independent in handling and riding my horse. So on a scale from one to 10, how confident are you? What's your confidence level? Okay, Catherine's at a nine. Heidi's at a 9.5. Catherine's at an eight. Good. Good. That's good. I'm glad. Okay. Suze is at a five. So again, I think confidence is something that you can build over time. And the best way to build confidence is by being consistent, by taking little baby steps and just trying to get like a little bit out of your comfort zone every day. Um, confidence is built again by education and by training. So the more training your horse has, the more training you have, the more confidence you feel that you know what to do. Okay, let me see. We're gonna, we have one more category. The last category is passion. So I have passion and commitment to riding and horses. People think I'm horse crazy, 
No matter what, I make it a priority to get to the barn and ride my horse. There are no excuses. I make it to the barn nearly every day. So on a scale of one to 10, how passionate are you guys? I'm hoping, I think we're going to see a lot of 10s on the passion scale here. Yep, Catherine's at a 10. Julia's at a 10 plus. Jonathan's at a nine. All right, you guys, I know we have such a like passionate horse community. Catherine's at a bazillion. <laughs> you guys are so funny. <laughs> One million. But yeah, I think that that's really true. And we have to remember that like at the end of the day, we love horses. Sometimes it's really hard. There's a lot of ups and downs, but it it is. It's it's our life. It's what we live for. And uh, yeah, it's really special. It's so magical when you have that partnership with your horse. And like I was riding Harvey this morning and there's just like these glimmers of moments where you feel that connection with your horse. And it's like, it's amazing. And that's really what we live for. You know, there's like these glimmers of amazingness. And then around those glimmers, there's a lot of other like blood, sweat and tears. But um, yeah, I guess that's what we live for. So anyways, Thank you all so much for being here tonight. I hope you have a wonderful evening and I'll see you next Thursday. Good night, everyone. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for all of your awesome questions and I hope you learned something new from listening. If you're new to the podcast and you'd like a question answered on a future one, get on touch on Facebook through Amelia's Dressage Club, Instagram at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, or YouTube at Amelia Newcomb Dressage and mark the question for the live sessions. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please share it, review it, and tune in again next week. Thanks so much and happy riding.